0: Lord, we just want to thank you this morning. You're the one who has lifted high above every name. Your name every knee bows. And so this morning we pray, you, Lord Almighty, will be seated on high in our hearts, the throne of our hearts. The Lord, you take absolute control. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated.
1: David, Nabel, and Abigail. 1 Samuel 23, 25, sorry, starting at 14. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not ill-treat us, and the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing went missing. Night and day, they were a wall around us the whole time we were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over and see what you can do, because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He's such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five sears of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins and two hundred cakes of pressed figs and loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. As she came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending towards her and she met them. David had just said, It's been useless. All my watching over his fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool, and folly goes with him. And as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my Lord sent, and now... My Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives, and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal, And let his gift, which your servant has brought to my Lord, be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's presumption, the Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battles and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord's success, remember your servant. David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. When David, then David accepted from her hand what she had brought to him and said, Go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. When Abigail went to Nabal, he was in the house holding a banquet like that of a king. He was in high spirits and very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until daybreak. Then in the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him all these things, and his heart failed him, and he became like a stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. Now we move on to the New Testament to 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Lord. I was appointed as herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. This is the word of the Lord. Amen.
0: Thank you very much, June, for doing that marathon reading. I actually had to cut it down from <laughs> First um, Samuel 25 from verse one. I removed the first 13 verses because it was beginning to look like an endless reading. But that's the reason why we read that scripture. But let's pray. Father, Lord, we give thanks to you this morning. And we pray that, Lord, you will speak to us as we turn to your word. And that, Lord, you will give us the boldness, the confidence to be able, Lord, to stand with you. To confront the things that confront us. To have victory over the things that you have given us victory. And we pray that, Lord Almighty, this morning... In reflection, we can actually, Lord, gather the courage to live life to the fullest. Thank you for hearing our prayer, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good. Now, something happened when I traveled last month to Nigeria. On my way, you know, um, I was flying with Lufthansa, and so most of this You know, international airlines, they have to go to their, you know, hub uh, airports. Then from there, they fly to any other part of the world. So, I left Heathrow. We got to Frankfurt in very good time, no problem at all. So, when we got to Frankfurt, as normal, you'll find your way to your gates where you board the plane. So, I got out there and... Everything kept going well once I got to my gate very well. But then when we got to the gate, we were informed that our flight is being delayed. Whatever reasons, they won't say. So we were all at the gate there waiting. After a while, I went to the desk and I asked the people at the desk, so do you know exactly when we are boarding? They said no. All right, I went out again sat at one corner. It was really a crowded place. You barely could find a place to sit. So I went to, you know, another side, and I sat there waiting. And after a while again, I went back to the desk, because I was like, this is taking really, you know, long. So I went back there. So when I was boarding? They said, look, we don't know. I said, okay, that's fine. I went and relaxed. But I just felt, no, go go back and ask. And I got there. They were still there. They said, look, whenever the pilot says we board the plane, that is when we're going to do what? Board the plane. Go and relax. And I took their word for it. I went and relaxed. And I was waiting. After a while, Nena called me from here. And um, no, actually, someone stepped out to the front of the house and there was that doorbell ring that brings up the video, and I clicked on it. There they were. We were now communicating on the doorbell video and having fun. Now, after a while, you know, when we finished, I just waited there. And I thought, this is getting out of hand. What kind of delay is this one that they won't even announce what the problem is? And I went back to the gate to ask them. Then I discovered that the flight had left. Whoa, no, this is not possible. This is not possible. I was like, no, 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 no. no. Tell me, what's going on? So, you know, which is really what happened, and the flight had gone. And I was like, no, I was sat in that corner there. How could they actually board without me observing what was happening? And by the way, if you're boarding, you have to announce it, isn't it? And in fact, after they finish boarding and there is someone who is not on the flight, they begin to call your name and say, co-passenger ABC, go to XYZ gate to board. The plane has boarded. How come I didn't hear anything at all? I was confused. Honestly, I became I began to doubt myself, is this still me here, or has anything happened, you know, is this real? And the people at the gate at that time, actually, when I was beginning to get frustrated, they said, we are not actually Lufthansa, this is a different, you know, flight altogether, go to their office and see them. So... I pulled my, you know, hand luggage and everything and went to Lufthansa. They said, yeah, the flight has left. I said, Oh that couldn't happen. How could it happen? You know, and then it was true. And I began to wonder. I became really worried. And if you like, I became afraid. Because, I mean, has old age come that quick? <laughs> Have I become senile? Is, is there something that's happened within just my landing from Heathrow and you know this moment? Why is it that I couldn't actually see this big movement of people? Did I doze off, which is possible because I know I kept you know working till late in the night and I packed my things till early morning and I, you know so I probably was exhausted it's possible and maybe you know doing stuff at some point i don't know and i began to think yeah actually when i got to the airport you know i was telling them afterwards i said it's like i felt my hand was shaking that was something you know i couldn't really understand what it was so is it possible there's a health issue here so i went to the um, uh, counted there and asked them, is there a clinic? There must be a clinic here because I want to really know what's wrong with me. And they said to me, well, there's a clinic, but it's not inside the airport. It's outside. So you have to leave and go out. And then, okay, even if I find what is wrong with me, what happens to my flight?" I didn't fly to come and stay in Frankfurt. It might be a good holiday destination, but on this occasion, I am on my way to Nigeria. What do I do? They said, well, go and queue there at the service uh, line, and then they will tell you what next. They might book you into another flight. Okay, I went and queued. That one took actually hours. Finally, when I got to the desk, the lady tried to help me, and when she got something so well maybe we could get you another flight from another company go over there and then when you get there you begin to find your way to wherever you're going in nigeria okay and i'll go and ask my manager and i'll come back and she went and came back oh my manager said no we can't afford this it's very expensive the only flight we can put you on is in two days time i have to stay in frankfurt for two nights i didn't bargain for that Do I stay in the airport or what do I do? Well, you have to go and find a hotel out there. And I was like, I didn't plan for all of this. But you know what? Fear, actually. Because I felt my temperature, you know, rising. And I I believe my blood pressure as well. And then as the day was progressing, I was getting so exhausted thought i must go to this place right i settled out of the flight told them i'm coming back but i need to find out what is wrong with me and i went to that by the time i got to the place where i was supposed to be guided to i was so exhausted the airport this is the second time i've ever been on a wheelchair i didn't even tell my family that they put me on a wheelchair to push me to the medical center that's how exhausted i was now real fear and when i got there the doctors had left and they said to me well there's nothing we can do maybe well we could just take your blood pressure of course when they took it it was is it 160 or 180 i don't know what it was but it was hitting the roof and then i knew yes something was wrong come back tomorrow i went back there but by the next day i had really gathered myself and overnight refreshed and prayed, and I got there. And when they took my temperature, it had come down to normal, at least. The lady doctor who checked me over, asked me to do different things, told me, you're fine, you're good to fly, there's nothing wrong with you. I said, okay, God, thank you, nothing is wrong with me. But before I knew nothing was wrong with me, remember I was what? Very very worried. Now I asked at the beginning of the service, is anyone who has never experienced fear? No one raised their hands, which means all of us have done experienced what? Fear. Or you could actually be experiencing fear now about something going on in your life. Something you're not sure about. Something you're uncertain about. You could be experiencing fear. Or maybe not now. Perhaps sometime in the future, fear will come. So how do we prepare? How do we face fear? You know, so those are the things I thought about. I don't know whether you've heard this acronym. Fear being explained as false evidence appearing what? Real. That's, That's an explanation of what fear is for some people, that it could actually not be anything serious. It's just something in your mind. But if I ask you, would you say what I was experiencing the day before at the airport was false evidence? I had a real experience that made me what, worried. So here has some you know, real serious um, issues with it. Now we read two scriptures. The first one was about A man called Nabal. Nabal was a very wealthy man. David at some point in his life, when he was running away from Saul and running away from his, you know, those who wanted to bring him down, David met this man and his family, very wealthy cattle rarer. And they took care of them and protected them. Now, David was in trouble, hungry with his, you know, um, folk. He sent them to say, hey, go to Nabal. You know that man that we helped some time ago? I'm sure he's going to help us. And so they went to Nabal. But when Nabal saw them, Nabal was really very cross. He said, who is David? He insulted David and just told those people to leave. He's not going to give his food to one vagabond. So when they went back and told David, David was really angry. He was really angry. And his anger made him to want revenge. And you can see now, you know, when anxiety comes, you begin to find, what do I do? So David wanted revenge. And he went after Nabal. But as the servants of Nabal heard what was happening, they went to the wife, Abigail, and said, Abigail, if you stay here, there's going to be trouble because David and his men are coming after us. And so what happened? They told Abigail what happened. And she prepared food, got everything, and quickly went after David and stopped him and said, please don't do this. This is food. Whatever you want we have. Just take and go, David. Please don't do what you want to do. And David was really persuaded. And he said, all right. Thank you very much. You're a good lady. Thank you. You've just saved your husband and your family. And David took the food And went away. And Abigail went back to see the husband. And this man was throwing a party. They said like a king. He was having the best time of his life. Everything was going on. He never cared. And that's why some of these billionaires and multimillionaires, you know, live their lives. They don't care about the poor people. People who are even working for them, they don't pay them well. But they can have private jets and fly over the place. They don't go to the airport to wait like I was waiting and missing their flights. (laughs) But they have a private jet waiting for them as soon as they get there. They get on it and they fly. So neighbor was like that multimillionaire and billionaire and everything. He didn't care about the common person. And when the wife went there, I was like, wow. She just ignored him. When his head is clear, I will talk to him. She went the next morning and said, Neighbour, what you did was really totally wrong. You remember David helped us? David protected us? David did everything. Why did you do this? Look at what David was going to do. As soon as he heard what David was going to do, he froze. Well, the Bible didn't say he had a heart attack. But in my own common knowledge, I would say he probably had a heart attack. Because, you know, after that experience, that was the end. Nebel died. Scripture would say God took him. But Nebel's experience, going from being afraid, freezing, and wanting to just disappear. See, when fear comes, there is that notion of what? freeze or flight or fight back what do you do and we read timothy where paul was saying god has not given us the spirit of what fear we need to understand that that fear has different angles to it and so i did a little background research and i tried to find out remember i told you I'm not a medical doctor, okay? You can go and check out with your GP. But these are all very true, by the way. So I'm not going to go into the detail of it. But I'm just going to give you the general background, biologically, physiologically, that your body actually has what is called hormones. You know that. At least you've heard about that. And those hormones are produced by glands in the body. So Both in your brain and in your kidney, there are some glands. In your kidney, you have this, your kidney. Up above your kidney, you have what is called the adrenal gland. You've heard about adrenaline, haven't you? Yes, it's produced by this adrenal gland. Now, in your brain, it's also different, you know, glands. There's a hypothalamus. There's amygdala. There is, you know, the pituitary gland. All of these have what they produce that have impact on you as a person. You know, so this amygdala is like your sensor in your body, in your brain. You know, it detects things that are scary or dangerous in the environment. You know, it picks up. Something is not right here. Haven't you felt that way when you've gone to a place, it's like, I don't know what's going on, but I don't feel at ease here. That is your amygdala trying to, you know, get you to know that. Look, be careful. And then there's also this hypothalamus that, you know, wakes up your pituitary gland. And then everything, your body begins to work. Now, the hormones from the pituitary gland tells then your adrenal gland something is happening. And it releases what is called the cortisol. Now, the cortisol travels through the blood and tells other body parts to react. Immediately, your body is working. Now, you're coming into the house. Some of you have grandchildren. But maybe when your children were very young, as you're coming, they throw something at you. And immediately, your body reaction is you dodge. And then you realize it was just the teddy bear, nothing to harm you. But the first reaction was to, to act because your body has sensed the danger and it's telling you do something about it. And that is how your body is working. And so that could actually sometimes lead to overdrive. Your body is working beyond what it's supposed to do. Now, that's why we call dopamine. Oh, sorry. Oh, it's gone back. And, um, okay. Here, some of this hormone, the dopamine is known as being the happy hormone. Boom, you're happy. Something has happened. Yay! That's the dopamine working in you, making you to react with joy and excitement. But, you know, it doesn't last long because it also wears out. Then the adrenaline or the epinephrine is the action hormone as well as a neurotransmitter. It transmits that, you know, work in the nerves, making you to react. It increases your heart rate, elevates your blood pressure, and boosts energy. That's what adrenaline You want to jump, you want to run. You want to do something about it. But the cortisol is a primary stress hormone. It increases your sugar, you know, uh, glucose level in the bloodstream, enhances your brain use of glucose, and increases the availability of substances that repair the tissue in your body. It is nature's built-in alarm system, triggering fright or flight or fight responses to threats. So, if ever you have lived in fear or experienced fear, you should know that there's nothing wrong with you. Because sometimes you ask, what's wrong with me? I'm always afraid. What's wrong with me? no no no. it's natural it's your body reacting to something but the question then is what do you do when you realize you are afraid being afraid is natural it's nothing wrong about it so you know it's really us now beginning to discover you can't run away from it it's like a child i saw a a video somewhere the child was running away from the shadow and it's like why is it pursuing me? The child starts crying. It's the shadow. No, but you can't run away from your shadow because it spots in parcel. Whenever there's light, there's shadow. So you can't run away from it. But you can actually realize okay, this shadow cannot happen. me. It's just, you know, something that is just there. And um, so you have those reactions. What happens? Depending on the degree of your fear, any of the following could happen. You have chest or stomach pain. You know, there's a reaction in your, your tummy. Because when you have a danger, the first thing you're thinking about is not, I want to eat now. Is it? No, you can't. Because you want to react. You want to run. You want to fight back. So it's not food. Because your body system, your stomach is constricting. It's reacting. It's reacting. You can have loss of breath, sometimes dizziness, sometimes sweating, feeling chill, numbness in the hands, you know, fainting. All of that could happen. Even your pupils begin to dilate. We have an optometrist here. You tell us better about that. So, you know, all of that comes to bear. So if any of these things, you experience them, know that they are all natural. It's nothing wrong. But in understanding that, the question is, is fear good for you? There's one Dr. Barry who said, a certain degree of fear is good for you because it allows us to survive. So fear is not totally wrong. Do you understand? So you now have to be okay if you're afraid. That also helps you to be in control. That also helps you to be confident in yourself. That fear is natural. It helps you to make decisions quickly. What do I do? And keeping us away from undue harm. Now, again, fear challenges you to put you to your limits. What can I do? I have to react. I have to do something. Even though sometimes those reactions can be extreme reactions. Only for you to discover actually there was no need for that. So that is where we think about the peace of the Lord. Okay, that keeps your heart and your mind. So there must be a balance. All that blood rushing to your brain helps you to think more clearly to focus on the imminent threat. So the cortisol switches off any function you don't need for the immediate survival. That's why I talked about you not wanting to eat, like such a digestion. If a bear is chasing you, you're not likely going to feel hungry. But maybe the bear itself is feeling hungry. That's why it's chasing you. So you have to do something. But not actually thinking that it is out of the ordinary. But fear can be unhealthy. Because it can transform to anxiety disorder. When it has continued over a long time. That's why sometimes people need medication. There's nothing wrong if you have to take medication to deal with your anxiety. That's why I said the doctors will know better. But you don't allow your fear to go on forever. It could interfere with your daily function, both physically and mentally. It can lead to chronic health conditions such as gastric and respiratory problems and cardiovascular problem now cardiovascular makes me to think about you know being choked and that gives a spiritual element to this which is what Paul said in 2nd Corinthians 1 that we have not been given the spirit of what fear but of power of love and of a what sound mind now so when that is happening respiratory you know Another name Satan is called. Can we remember the names of Satan? The devil. Yes. What other that one? Lucifer. Sorry? Lucifer. Lucifer. Yes. Another one? The serpent. That's the one. And if you know what serpents do, like the, you know, um, boa constrictor. What does it do to kill its, pre- its prey? What does it do? It asphyxiates it, coils in the neck, and really takes away the energy and your respect. The animal cannot breathe anymore. So when you see what fear is doing, you begin now as a Christian to know, it's not only the physical aspect I've been explaining, there's also a spiritual word, angle. So you can now stand firm and say, Satan, you have no authority over my life. Fear, I command you to be quiet right now. So you're switching from just looking at it from the ordinary physical, physiological, medical thing to something else as well. So you don't take one against the other. If you go all spiritual without understanding the physical and medical, then you sometimes could actually go off your head. So you need to be balanced in your understanding of what fear is about. You know, I began to feel that God wants us to really learn and go deep into this. Because a lot of people are experiencing fear today in different ways. It could be about medical condition. Remember when I was at the airport, nothing was wrong finally. But I felt something was wrong. I was afraid. And I had to go and see the doctors just to reassure myself. So, that freeze. Could be there, that fright. You just go to one corner, you don't know what to do. You just worry, God, what do I do? I can't leave the house today. I'll just stay here all day long. Or if it's in a situation, you take the flight, (laughs) you run away. Or you can do this one. Look at this third one. You can look at the child and say, I'm not afraid. I'm a child of God. What can you do right now? Come on, bring it on. I'm here with you. You face the fear right in the eye. I say, You can't do anything. Because why? I am a child of God. God has given me power and authority over and against every power of darkness. And you can begin on the basis of that to release prayer that casts out demons, that chases out spiritual authority. So people of God, that's what I'm saying. It's not just physical, it's also what? Spiritual. So you need to hold a balance and understand that God has given you authority as his child, that you can face that fear that is tormenting you that fear that is tormenting you and cast it out. You can actually lay hands on yourself. <laughs> I lay hands on myself from time to time. And I say, come on, whatever is going on here, I command you right now. Come on, get away. Because I'm a child of God. So people of God, we're going to pray in a moment. But I just want you to know, fear, and God didn't make it so that we'll be in bondage. It's part of our system so that we'll be able to react in the right way to deal with any threats around us and deal with it the way God guides us to deal with them. So let's pray. Are you experiencing fear? Have you had anxiety? Now you know if God is with you, no one can be against you. Yes, that scripture that says that if the enemy comes like a flood against you, God will raise a standard against them. Just pray for yourself right now. Or anyone else who may be experiencing fear, just pray that the Lord will deliver them, set them free from this power of fear. It doesn't, matter whether it is real or whether it is, you know, something that you're just thinking. Fear is fear. It can come from any source. If your body system is working on overdrive, right now you can pray and say to your body system, right now you cannot be on overdrive. I command it to work as normal. You can lay hands on your head And be praying for yourself right now if you don't mind. You can lay hands on your head and be praying for yourself right now. And ask that the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and give you the boldness, the confidence, the audacity to look at the eye of that tiger. And say, come on, you can't do anything. Look at that bear. And say, no, you can't do anything. Bind that serpent and cast it out of your life right now. Out of your situation. Out of your circumstances. And so, Father, Lord Almighty, this day we thank you for your word. Because we know that, Lord Almighty, you have not called us to fear. You have called us, God Almighty, to live a life to the fullest. And so, Lord, we receive that confidence. To live the fullness of life in you. We pray, Father, Lord Almighty, from this morning, anything that the enemy is using, Lord, to keep us under the bondage of fear, we bind and we break their authority over us right now. Lord, we release ourselves. Anything that is trying to asphyxiate anyone here, trying to snuff out the life out of you. We bind it as a church and we cast it out of your life right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, Lord Almighty, because we know you can do all things, all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can do all things. So, Lord, we step out by faith today. And we want to pray for every other person in our church or in our family, or among our friends, who may be living in fear right now. Lord, we pray that you will set them free from that fear. It may have developed into into an anxiety disorder. It may have developed into paranoia. Father, we don't care what it is, but we pray for them right now. That you will set them free from the power of fear, power of death power of sickness that is making them afraid. Lord Almighty, we pray today that you will give us that confidence to live out our lives as people who have been set free. The Bible says, whoever the Son has set free is free indeed. And so Lord we receive that freedom, that liberty to live a life of fullness, a life, Lord Almighty, of liberty Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. May your name be exalted today for all you have done for us, Lord. Yes, Father, we are no longer slaves to fear. We are your children. So, Lord, have your way this morning and be exalted, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.